We are talking about the life you've always wanted and uh, springboarding off of a great book written by John Ortberg a few years back. I would encourage you to get a hold of a copy of that book because I'm covering things that he doesn't cover and he covers things that I don't cover. Um, but it's a book about spiritual disciplines and learning to engage in a level of intentionality uh, in how we grow and mature and embrace everything that God has for our life. Um, I, I, it took me a while to get this I, kind of thinking sorted out in my head, but uh, I finally did, and, and, and I, it's, I think it's super important to understand that forgiveness is a free gift. You know, a right standing with God is a gift that God gives and we accept. The, the opportunity to be able to go to heaven, uh, salvation, all of that is given by the grace of God and faith embraces it and says, thank you, Lord, because none of us could actually do enough or be enough to earn any of those things. <laughs> They're way beyond us. But there's something, just like in any relationship, there is this cooperative coming together with God, this effort of, of leaning into God. And, and just like a relationship, it shouldn't be all you giving and them, and them just receiving because that's an unhealthy and, and vice versa would not work. But this idea of leaning in, cooperating, learning how to walk with God and, and putting into effect um, some spiritual disciplines that help us become everything that God has called us to be and help us move into everything that God has for us. And um, often I will ask our staff, we'll, we will get on like a, a, a challenge, a discipleship challenge. And I used to do this even as a youth pastor years ago and uh, encourage everybody to, to not only uh, just you know, say you have a prayer time, but actually let's write down how, how much time you've prayed, um, write down your Bible reading, and sometimes that tells you some things you <laughs> don't want to know. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm usually in challenging our guys, okay, I want you to spend at least three hours in prayer uh, every week. I want you to read 21 chapters in your Bible, and we'll have a kind of a, we used to do it on paper, now we do it digitally, but I always want them to write on there, this is not my righteousness. That is, that is, just because you had a prayer time or read your Bible or came to church, that's not earning you anything, but it is a part of your discipleship. It's a part of your growth and maturity. And, and I hope we understand that spiritual disciplines are not just like a, a list of more things to do uh, that we're somehow earning from God, but in actuality, spiritual disciplines are helping us to see life in a bit of a different way. Uh, they are allowing us to put up our sails to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to take us into everything that God has for us. So I'm encouraging us as a church family as we walk through this to buy this idea that we can focus on progress and not perfection, because nobody gets it all right all the time, but, but a step forward, another step forward, another step forward, just as long as you're going in the right direction, that's a good thing, 
right? And you don't have to have it all together because really, in actuality, no one ever does. And this concept of training versus trying is a powerful thing. So I've been talking about this for a few weeks, talked about the discipline of rejoicing and thanksgiving, which I think is a profound idea to understand because I don't know about you, but, but negative self-talk and all the news and all the stuff that's going on can easily pull us into a negative world, a negative mindset, a, you know, a, a dark place, and to actually choose to rejoice, to choose to act like you're happy to be in this service. Ah, it's a good choice. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I think it takes a discipline. Some of us are, are more optimistic by nature or more cheerful by nature. God bless you. We hate you. I mean, we love you. But some of us really have to understand the power of discipline and saying, I'm going to keep going to the positive. I'm going to keep locating my positives. I'm going to keep finding things that God is doing in my life instead of focusing on what he's not doing in my life. Well, anyway, I'm not going to preach it again, but I just want to say it to you today. The second discipline we talked about was the discipline of slowing down enough to actually breathe and have margin in your life, but really to learn how to create a secret place in your world where you are meeting with God. It's called prayer. Uh, it, it could be worship. It could be a number of things where you are just c coming away from all the busyness and the multitasking and, and all the technology that is alive in the world. And I'm into all of that, but you got to slow it down a little bit. Our world just keeps pushing us faster and faster further and further, and, uh, and learning to slow down the discipline of just slowing it down a little bit, because you got to realize it doesn't all depend on you and how fast you run. And then last week, I talked about the discipline of recognizing appropriate smallness, which is actually learning to embrace humility. Pride will get you in trouble. And, you know, to think that you know it all or to think that you're actually more than you are has gotten a lot of people in a lot of trouble. And it probably is one of the most restful places to get to. Not that you have to, to tear yourself down to find humility, but to recognize who you are in the light of who God is and the light of all things there are to know and to realize you can rest in the goodness of God and he will watch over your life. Just appropriate small. Today, I want to talk about the discipline of being rooted in the Word of God. The discipline of being rooted in the Word of God. Now, I'm a big believer in daily Bible reading, and it is my aim, it is my commitment as a person, as a Christian, um, to read my Bible every day. I don't uh, hit that mark 100% of the time, but it is always my aim to read my Bible. I went to Bible college. And it did me nothing in terms of real ministry. Uh, but every once in a while, somebody will ask me, where did you go to seminary or where did you go to Bible college? And I get to tell them. But the truth is, what I know about God, what I know about the Bible, what I know about how the Bible applies to, to my life, to ministry, to my marriage, to my, my being a dad, to my being a friend, to how I handle my finances, I've gotten and I've just reading my Bible 
every day and just setting aside a time. And, and everybody has a different way of going about it, but I want to encourage you to, to, to make it a point to become a regular Bible reading person. I set aside 30 minutes every day minimum to read my Bible. I used to have kind of reading plans. I've done that, and if you're doing that, that's a very cool thing. Sometimes in 30 minutes, I read one little paragraph, and it, the Holy Spirit makes it come alive to me. Sometimes I read six or seven chapters, and nothing happens. But I still feel like I washed my soul with, with the Word of God. But what I'm going to talk about today is beyond just checking off a Bible reading plan in the morning. I want to I talk about rooting the discipline of rooting your life in the Word of God. That you are holding on to the promise of God when you're being faced with a difficult storm. That your roots are down in something more than the experience of what's going on around you. I want to talk about us letting our behavior, the way we live, the way we talk to each other, the way, the way we evaluate sexuality, the way we, we do anything in life, letting our behavior be shaped by God's plan for our life. I, I want to talk about getting our roots down deep in the Word of God. So here's where I want to start. Uh, Psalm chapter 1 is, uh, is, a, is a great passage, and uh, I want to read a few verses and launch us into this. Psalm 1, verse 1, how blessed is the man who does not get his news from CNN? <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. <laughs> How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, in his word, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. That's an incredible promise. The life you've always wanted is accounted for, I think, in these verses. The Bible says you're blessed, you're fruitful, you're prosperous when you put your roots down in the Word of God. Whatever he does prospers. If you think prosperity is only about money, that's your mistake. Because I would not consider my life prosperous if I had a bunch of money in my bank account, but my marriage wasn't fun and loving and healthy. If I didn't have a good relationship with my kids, if I didn't have friends that really mattered, if I didn't have a purpose in my life that was an eternal purpose. The Bible says, whatever he does. And I want us to, to get a, a framework of 
how God wants life to be for every person on the planet. Blessed, fruitful, prosperous. For you, for your family, for his church, for the cause of advancing the kingdom. And I think if we could see the heart of God and the mind of God and the, the, the aim of God for every person on planet Earth, we would realize that it is totally in line with the Word of God to expect and to intend to live a blessed, fruitful, prosperous life. That's the life you've always wanted. You, if you get married, you want it to work. If you have kids, you want to have a good relationship with them. Amen. If you go to work, you want your work to work. <laughs> right? And I think that when, we, when, when our world doesn't seem to align with, like, in other words, you might be walking through something right now where you're going, this does not feel blessed, fruitful, or prosperous. I've, I'm saying this, to be rooted, the discipline of rooting your life in the Word of God is a recognition that I'm not going to let this current season's weather decide how I'm really going to think about life. I don't want to adjust the Bible to fit my experience, which is very limited. I adjust my thinking to fit the eternal, never-changing, always true Word of God. Amen. And I just want to promise you that no matter what the weather is today, the sun will come out tomorrow. It, it is amazing to me uh, to see how many people struggle with the idea that God wants our lives to be blessed and that God wants our lives to be prosperous. That's a word that just grates some people the wrong way. And I know you might be thinking, well, is that in the Bible at all? Well, thank you for asking. Psalm 35, verse 27 says, Let them shout for joy and rejoice. Good. Who favor my vindication? Let them say continually, The Lord be magnified, who delights in the prosperity of his servant. Psalm 37, uh, verse 11 says, the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, God says, see, I've said before you today, life and prosperity or death and adversity. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. So, Hey, choose life. <laughs> choose blessing. Choose, don't choose death. Don't choose adversity. It's your choice. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul 
prospers. Joshua 1, 7 and 8, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, think about it, muse on it, get it in your framework of how you live and think and go about life. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I, I think sometimes when people start thinking about this idea, they, they, get, they, they go down this narrow road. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Barbara Walters was interviewing Joel Osteen and saying, does God want us to be rich? And, and because they go down this, this narrow path of what prosperity is. But I would like for us to back up a little bit and think about who is this God that we find in the Bible? Is this a God who wants us to be poor? Is this a God who wants us to struggle? Is this a God who wants our families to be torn apart? Is this a God who wants our business to fail? Is this a God who wants the dreams that he's given us to wither and die? And I've got to say without any reservation, no. This, the, the heart of God for you, the heart of God for me, the heart of God for every person on this planet is for us to live blessed, fruitful, prosperous lives. Not selfish lives, not stingy lives, not self-centered lives, not greedy lives, but expansive, generous, fruitful, abundant, growing lives. That is what God wants. Now, I mean, you know, knowing that and living it out takes some doing. And I want to talk to you about some, we're talking about spiritual disciplines as a way to put our sails up to allow the, the Lord to bring us into places we could not take ourselves. So I'm going to give you, out of Psalm 1, four key factors in getting our roots down deep in the Word of God. More than just reading your Bible, but living our lives with our roots down in the Word of God. The first is our associations. Our associations. In other words, who you hang out with. Now, you might think, what does that have to do with getting my roots down? Let's just talk about it for a minute. Psalm 1-1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. There are few things that will impact your life more than the people you hang out with. Not just the people that you see on occasion, but the people you really connect your heart to. Because we are going to pick up their attitudes, we are going to pick up their outlook, we're going to pick up even their spirit is going to get on us. And I want us to understand God has not called us to live isolated in the bubble Christian lives. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5 tells us this, verse 9, I wrote you in my letter 
not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of the world or with the covetous or swindlers or idolaters because then you would have to go out of the world. You, we wouldn't be able to talk to anybody at work. You wouldn't be able to talk to anybody at school. So I didn't, I'm not telling you that, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he should be an immoral person or covetous or an idolater. That's strong stuff, this Bible. Or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to go to 12 Bones for lunch with such a one. <laughs> Unless they're paying. No. We have, to, we, have to, we have to associate, and we should associate with all kinds of people. And I hope we all know nobody's better than anybody else, right? We're, we're all limping our way forward in this thing. But I'm saying to you, we got to be aware of who is influencing who. And the Bible says further on in 1 Corinthians 15, don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. Don't, don't tell yourself any different. Bad company corrupts good morals. You put on white gloves, <laughs> The gloves, the gloves get dirty. The dirt doesn't get glovey. Hello? Your association, so, the, so certainly there's this tension to manage of we don't isolate from people we could be a godly influence to, and, but we also recognize we can't get corrupted and who's going to really be in our life. And the Bible says, how blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. This is what the Bible teaches. Here's what I'm saying. The people in your world, the people who are close to you, the people that you're doing, really doing life with, are they full of faith? Are they full of doubt? Are they negative? Are they positive? Are they, are they hopeful or are they cynical? Do they love God and God's purpose or are they just not interested at all? In the things of God. And our associations matter a lot. I mean, even Jesus got people out of the room when it was time to move the ball down the field, <laughs> when he was about ready to perform a miracle. And I'm just saying to you, you want to be hanging around with people who love God's word, who love God's promise, who love God's instruction about how to live, who love God's purpose, because you are going to become just like the people you hang around with. The second key that I think can help us in terms of getting our roots down is our delights. Our delights. Learning, learning how to delight in the right thing, what we delight in. So uh, Psalm 1-2 says this, his delight, everybody say delight. delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Delighted. In the Word of God, delighted with the Bible. Let me ask you a question. When you think about what do you really like, 
in life. I'm, I myself, I'm a music lover. I love music, um, and I love to go to concerts. Uh, although the past few years, whenever I go to most concerts, I look around the room and I realize I am literally the oldest guy in this room. But I love music, and I, I, won't, I don't mind spending money on a concert ticket. Uh, I don't mind spending money on music and, uh, and getting it streamed in, and, and just, I love, I love music. I love it a lot. What I don't love is movies. I'm not, I'm not anti-movies, but I, I will tell you this. My kids have pictures of me through the years, having gone to the movie with them, and 20 minutes into the movie, they, I just don't care for movies at all. Some people love movies. They delight in movies, right? Some people delight in great food. Some people don't care. Some people love and delight in hanging out with their friends, getting together with their friends. Some of us want everybody to leave us alone. <laughs> Come on. Any introverts in here with me? Come on. One, two, three, four, five, six. You're afraid to raise your hand because you're too introverted. I know. I know. I know. I got the whole thing going on. Some of us, you know, some people delight in family. <laughs> some families not so easy to, to delight in. Some people delight in traveling. Do you realize that right now, this weekend, people are using the three-day weekend to go camp out in tents on purpose? <laughs> you mean, you want to go where there's no bed, no running water, no Wi-Fi, no good coffee, and you call that fun? Some people do. Some people literally have a line item in their budget for golf. I don't know who they would be, but I know I know somebody. I've heard about that. That same person would have never spent a nickel on NASCAR. Some people love NASCAR. To the left, to the left, to the left, to the left, crash. To the left, to the left. Some people love ice hockey. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, went to, I went to one ice hockey game. We remember, we used to have a team here, didn't we? We used to have a team and, and I had friends who were loving it. Like, you gotta go see ice hockey. And so I went to this game and two sessions, periods were over and I was like, thank God. And they go, no, there's a whole nother period. I said, not for me, I'm done. And, uh, and I, but you know, here's what I know. What you love, what you delight in, you will spend time on it. You will spend money on it. And I have discovered that you actually are hungry for what you've been eating and thirsty for what you've been drinking. When I first met Suzette, uh, she is very health conscious, and, and I'm trying to earn points uh, with her. And so, so she never would drink a Coke. I grew up with like cases of Coke 
in our house. And, and we just drank it like it was going out of style. And I remember when I first started hanging around with Suzette, I tried to get away from drinking Cokes, and I drank a bunch of water. And at first, water was like... <laughs> But then, after about six weeks of drinking water, the first time I drank a Coke, I mean, it was horrid. Because you will be thirsty for what you have been drinking. And I, I want to say this in the kindest way possible. And if you've been around here for a while, you know I'm not legalistic about any of this kind of stuff. But I really want to ask you, how is your relationship with your Bible? Do you love it? Some people say, oh, I don't even have a half hour to spend. Really? You had a half hour to watch TV. And maybe, maybe you've been drinking Coke and you could be drinking living water. And my encouragement to you is not this heavy-handed, you better get it together. I, I'm saying to you, somehow, could you start to take some one-degree steps towards engaging with your Bible on a new level? so that your soul actually longs for, you, you delight in, you're willing to spend the time. Because the truth is, reading your Bible, spending time in your Bible, it's not a checklist that God goes, okay, approved for the day, you read your Bible. It is really, it's a book of power, it's a book of life. It's a book that will give peace to your soul. It's a book that will give joy to you. It's a book that will fill you with love. It will fill you with life. It will fill you with blessing. All that comes out of the Word of God. It's a pipeline for the life of God to come to you. And I want to encourage you, if you don't find yourself delighting in the Word of God, then make that adjustment to, to start to engage with your Bible on a new level. Not just reading it to put a devotional check down, but to really drink of the life that's in the Word of God. The third key factor uh, that, about, about getting our roots down in, in the Word of God is our programming. Our programming. Proverbs, I mean, Psalms 1-2 says this, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law or in his word, he meditates day and night. He meditates, he muses, he considers, he takes time to ponder what, what is this saying? How does this apply to me? How, do, how would this adjust my thinking? All of us have some kind of programming. All of us have operating systems that are running our life. And those, that programming affects your choices, it affects your feelings, it, it, it creates your ceilings, it limits you or it frees you. That programming causes patterns. And I'm saying, for, that stuff really gets ingrained in you. And this whole idea about 
meditating, musing, thinking God's thoughts after him. There, there's, a, there's a new understanding in science that's called neuroplasticity, which is literally the idea that you can change your brain, you can change your mind. And some of this stuff that's ingrained in your life, you got to understand God is wanting your life to be blessed, fruitful, prosperous, full of love, full of joy, full of peace. That's a good life. But there's all this programming that's ingrained in, it affects your finances, it affects your relationships, it affects your self-esteem, it affects your relationship with God, it affects your relationship with other people. Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind then you could prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And to, to change your programming, to change your operating system, requires something different than occasionally plopping your Bible open to Psalm 23. You know, to picking up your Bible and... I, I'm just... I'm encouraging you to create some margin in your life that allows you to think. Because if you don't rethink, if you don't retrain, if you don't give room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, what you've been experiencing is what you'll keep experiencing. You'll be living the same year over and over and over and over and over and over again. Get God's way of thinking in your thinking. Get God's pattern of thinking in your life. Get God's way of going at life ingrained in your programming. Trains of thought. Trains take you somewhere. And a train of thought will take you sometimes to places you don't want to go. Some, some train of thought is going to run your life this year. Might as well make that train of thought be in line with God's good will for your life. And then the last thing I want to talk about is, fourth key factor is our root system. Our root system. Uh, this is verse 3, Psalm 1. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. I love this picture of a tree firmly planted by streams of living water. Its leaf doesn't wither. It, it takes its sustenance from something unseen in the ground that causes it to not respond to outward circumstances. I grew up in New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans is subtropic climate, and I never, under, I ne I never saw leaves turn. Uh, I never saw, I never understood the idea of of deciduous and non-deciduous trees. Deciduous trees are all the trees that, that 
eventually turn color and then lose their leaves. They're responding to the weather. They're responding to what's going on outside of them. But non-deciduous trees, evergreen, the Bible says you're firmly planted by streams of water. Your leaf doesn't wither. No matter what the weather, your root system is in another dimension. I think all of us need to get our roots in another dimension. I live in this world, but my living comes from another world. My peace isn't dependent on the weather. My peace is from roots that are in something deeper than that. And if I could encourage us all, I think the life you've always wanted is a life that says, I'm not looking to circumstances for my joy. My roots are deeper than that. I'm not looking to get peace from, from things that are going on around me. My roots are deeper than that. I'm not looking to get my sense of being loved from what's on around, going on around me. My roots are in something deeper than that. My vision is something deeper than that. And I just want to say to you, I think all of us, if we would adjust our associations, if we would adjust our delights, if we would adjust our programming, if we would adjust our root system, get it all rooted in the Word of God, that is a life you've always wanted. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment. We're going to pray. Um, you know, Jesus said this. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you find eternal life, but they're really pointing to me. And I love the principles, no question, of the word of God. But here's what I've realized is that more than the principles of the word of God, I need a relationship with Jesus because I've only got it together so much <laughs> I need my life in the hands of Jesus and I want to pray with you today I would like you to bow your heads please if you would and close your eyes all over the room and I would just love to pray with you today maybe you're here and you've never actually really just submitted your life to Jesus and you know today that it's a move your heart is crying for. You need it. Maybe you're here today and there was a day when you used to be close to God. You used to be closer than you are now. Something's happened. Maybe you made a bad choice or you've drifted or something happened to you. And, but you know you're not where you want to be, where you used to be, where you could be, where you know you should be today. This would be a great day for you to come home. Or maybe you feel unsure. But nobody's looking around. We're just the last few moments of this service. But if you say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I want to give my life to Christ. Or I know I need to come back. I, I've drifted away. I've fallen away. 
Or maybe you just say, I feel unsure about where I really stand, but I would love to feel confident about where I stand with God. If that's you, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high all over this room. God bless you. God bless you. Lift it up real high. Just be brave. Come on. God bless you. Thanks. All over the room. God bless you. I, I think you would understand this is not any kind of a call to get your act together. This is a call to submit your heart to a God who is for you. Anybody else say, I want to be included in this. Pray with me. Thank you all over the room. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. This is for everybody who lifted their hand, but I love it for all of us to pray this out loud. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I give my life to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord together. Amen.